So we're making our journey through this sermon series, and we've been asking a profound question of who is Jesus? So what would you say? Would you say he's a long-awaited Messiah? Would you say maybe he's a nice guy, a king, a teacher, a miracle worker, someone in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets crucified? What would you give to your answer? It's important because it's the most important question you'll ever have to answer. Now, whether you know the Bible inside and out or or perhaps this is your first time coming and hearing that word, I would think that most of us have at least heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love that verse, don't we? We use it all the time. Why wouldn't we? It talks about God loving us. We're not going to perish. We have eternal life. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's what this whole Lenten season leads up to on Easter Sunday. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection for us. That's the foundation we find in Good Friday. Jesus dying in your place. Just take a minute and realize that. Take it in as owning it that he died personally for you and me. Can you feel the pain of your sin on Jesus? His blood, his life, it was for you. When I was young, my dad had to work uh, two or three jobs just to make ends meet. And once in a while, we got to go out for dinner in a restaurant and and, you know, I was a jerk kid. You know, I didn't look at prices or anything. I ordered anything I wanted. Never even said thanks to them at all. Just, yeah, great, I'll have whatever it is. Never thinking about the sacrifice my parents paid for that meal. That's the danger of John 3.16. That's the danger. We want to skip to the good part and leave out the fact that his son had to come and die. He had to pay an immeasurable sacrifice for that forgiveness of sins. It's, it's beyond our final understanding of why he would do that for each of us. Now, we are in this holy week, and, and I love the journey that we're on, this journey that started on Palm Sunday, and, and we marched around with palm branches, and we celebrated just as they did when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Shouts of Hosanna in the highest. And then we don't talk so much about the next day when he goes into the temple courtyards and he's upset at the way they're abusing his temple and, and he throws out the money changers. And then if you were here yesterday, we celebrated Monday, Thursday. And, and what a great day that is, by the way, the Passover feast. And Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and reminds us that our sins are forgiven through his body and his blood. And then he told us to love one another, to serve one another. And he demonstrated that by getting down and washing their feet. Man, this has been a emotional roller coaster of a week in the life of a church, the joy and excitement that we have on Palm Sunday, the, the, the anger and frenzy around this temple clearing out and peace and promises on Monday, Thursday. But here we are. Here we are on Good Friday, a day of pain and sorrow and sadness. A story about a, a gentleman named Chester Zuber. 
interesting guy. He received the gift of life, but he almost didn't accept it because it had such a great cost to it. The youngest of his six children, uh, his daughter, 20-year-old nursing student, she was killed in a car accident. And according to the Associated Press, Patty was her name, and she died. She was with a friend. They were driving around and then going to head back to nursing school, and they were on a road in, uh, uh, in uh, Smoky Mountains. And, and as they were driving through there, the driver swerved, rolled, the car tumbled, a lot of, lot of crashing and banging, and the driver, well, treated for minor injuries. Charged with drunken driving, by the way. And Patty Zuber, the passenger, in very critical shape, airlifted out, rushed to hospital. The parents were called, and they rushed to Tennessee from Michigan to be with their daughter, but she was brain dead. Patty had indicated that she always wanted to donate her organs if something would happen to her, and the family concurred. But they had two choices to make. One, they could indicate that just let society and the doctors figure who's going to get those organs, or they could designate someone who's on the list. Yep, her father, Chester Zuber, been on the heart transplant list for four years. The doctors checked it all out, and it was a match. It would work. And so five hours and 51 minutes after her heart stopped beating in Tennessee, it was now beating in Chester's chest and and delivering kidneys to other folks as well. Do you get the connection where I'm going here? Do you see the story, how it connects to Jesus? One person's death brings life to many. I personally think maybe the cross is just a little too familiar to us. I mean, we see it on our altars, and we put it in our jewelry, and we have tattoos on our arms, and and yet do we really get the immeasurable sacrifice that goes along with that piece of jewelry or that tattoo, what Jesus did for us? But see, we know the story so well. This man lived 33 years in what we now call the Holy Land, and he taught, and he healed, and he touched people's lives, and And then some people got threatened when he claimed to be the son of God. And and so we know that they beat him and spit on him and they whipped him and nailed him to a cross. But remember, this is true God, true man. I mean, he could have simply snapped his fingers and called this whole thing off. But we needed Good Friday to happen. Now, if you're following along in the outline, you'll see that on this Good Friday, what we're doing is we're focusing on who is Jesus, but we're doing it by focusing on his immeasurable sacrifice. Sacrifice, that's an interesting word. I wanted to research it, and and I like this definition. It says sacrifice is doing something we really don't want to do to gain something better, or the flip side, not doing something that we want to do to avoid something worse. And we know by the word sacrifice that it always means pain or grief or distress or uncomfortableness. And and it's in our nature to not want to do that for other people. So why did Jesus do that? Why did he say, I will come and I will live perfect life and then die an unbearable death for you? Couldn't God just look the other way? I mean, could they say, I know I wanted you guys to be good, but, ah, you know, wink, nod, yeah, we'll let it, no. He's a just God, and his word says the wage of sin is death. And yet God, man, he loves you way too much to make that happen. So Jesus suffered, 
as he carried your sins. See that word, your sins and mine. And he gave his life in your place. There's a Christian minister, and uh, he was telling his congregation about a dream that he had. And he said in this vision that he had, he was climbing a hill to church, and he heard some steps behind him. And he turned and looked, and he saw a man carrying this heavy load on his back going up the hill. And, and this, this preacher guy, he had sympathy for the man. He started a conversation. But then he noticed the man had scars on his hands, and he's, oh, my goodness, that's Jesus coming up that hill. He said, Lord, are you carrying the weight of the world's sins up this hill? And Jesus says, well, yes, I am. But right now, I'm carrying your sins up the hill. Do you put yourself in that story? Do you know that he suffered and died for each of your sins, for my sins? Do you, do you get that? And he did it willingly. Chaplin was talking to a soldier on a cot, and Chaplin said, oh, you lost your arm to a great cause. And the soldier interrupted him right away and says, no, I didn't lose it. I gave it to a cause. And that's the same with Jesus. He didn't lose his life. He gave it for you. John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This immeasurable sacrifice for the entire world, but focus on me, focus on you. That's why he did it. And I can't prove this, but I truly believe if nobody ever sinned and you sinned one time, he'd still come and he'd still die on that cross so that your sins would be forgiven. The wage of sin is death, and yet what a terrible way to die. And yet I think it was to remind us of the terrible consequences of our sin he sacrificed for you and me in what we would call the humiliation. If you look in the small catechism, you'll see that. And, and you know, I thought I'd talk for a minute about humiliation because we've all been humiliated. I mean, it's not only Jesus who was humiliated. I mean, we've all been walking with friends and trip and stumble and everybody laughs at you and you feel a little humiliated. Or maybe you're publicly speaking and you realize your zipper's down and I'm okay. Uh, but, but, but we know what humiliation is all about, right? And yet we know that Christ's humiliation was that as a man, he didn't always or fully use his divine powers. Again, this is God who humbled himself to be one of us. The kind of key verse for this message here is Philippians 2. It says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God to be something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. Here it is. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And we know this. I mean, if you've come to church once in a while, you'll realize we say the Apostles' Creed, the humiliation of Christ, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried. This is God who chose to come 
and humble himself that way. And he chose to be endured in suffering poverty and contempt and persecution in this earthly life. I don't think we really can comprehend God did this for us. 2 Corinthians 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty might become rich. His humiliation for you, and in that humiliation he suffered great agony, body and soul under Pontius Pilate. That's what the good Friday story is all about his immeasurable sacrifice. John 19 starts out saying, and Pilate took Jesus, had him flogged. Can't even comprehend that. Soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. I can't comprehend that. They clothed him in a purple robe. They went up to him again and again, said, hail, king of the Jews, and slapped him across the face. What he did for me, what he did for you, Jesus suffered and died in excruciating agony on the cross. If it wasn't bad enough, the beating and the whipping and the carrying the cross, then they nail him to the cross to hang in agony, in pain, because that's what our sins cost. John 19 continues saying, Pilate had him handed over to them to be crucified Soldiers took charge of Jesus carrying his own cross. He went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha, and there they crucified him. But, but, but why? What did he do wrong? Did he deserve this? Not at all. We did. But he paid the price for us. He voluntarily humbled himself in order to redeem me. I'll make this personal to redeem me. And each one of you, And again, he could have said, no thanks. He could have walked away. Or if I were he, I would have zapped all the soldiers, kind of turned them into donkeys or something like that. Because I could have done that. But then prophecy would not be fulfilled. 700 years earlier in Isaiah, surely he took up our infirmities and, and carried our sorrows. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Kind of a bizarre question, but we're all going to die someday, and if you knew your time was coming, how would you choose to die? Maybe you've kind of thought about that at some point. I'm wondering if any of you would put your hand up and say, well, I would really like to be whipped, and then I'd like to carry a heavy cross, and oh, I'd love to have nails through me and hang for hours on a cross. Probably not, right? It's the most terrible thing that could ever happen to anyone, but it shows us God's love. There's an old play called Green Pastures, and and, and it's an interesting play. Uh, the final scene of this play is... Uh, is God and the angel Gabriel. And they're looking out a window of heaven. And they're looking down at, at earth here. And Gabriel says, oh, look, Lord, they're beating him with that whip. Is it time for me to blow the horn? No, Gabriel, not yet, God says. A little later, Lord, they're making him carry that, that cross up the hill. Are you ready for me to blow the horn now? No, Gabriel, not yet. 
a little later with excruciating excitement. And Lord, Lord, they're nailing him to the cross. Surely now you want me to blow the horn. No, not yet, Gabriel. Gabriel just shakes his head. He goes, Lord, this is a terrible burden for someone to bear. Why are you letting him go through this? Now, what I didn't tell you is in this play, the whole time God's back is to the audience. And Gabriel asks him, why would you let Jesus do that? And he turns and he goes, for you and for you and for you and for you, because I love you. See, that's the paradox of this cross on Calvary. The most terrible thing could happen to Jesus was his love for you. That's why he did it. Youngster in Sunday school asked a question that I'll bet we've all asked at some point or another. If it's the day Jesus died, why do we call it Good Friday? Interesting question, right? I mean, churches are dark and black. We use words like scorned and forsaken and thorns and crosses and despise and grief and sorrow and pain and tears and darkness, and we're calling this day good. We're calling it good because it shows the love of God for you and me. We started out with John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to become true man, true God, so that he could show his love, that he could willingly pay the price to buy us back. Because you know what? Good Friday is not about us trying to be good, worshiping God, having good intentions. It's about God's immeasurable sacrifice for you and for me. We deserve the wages of sin because it's death. And yet instead, God died for you and for me. And through his suffering and death, he triumphed over sin and death and the devil the big three issues that every human being deals with. And because of that, we never have to fear death. A great section in 1 Corinthians, where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. Well, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us, put your name in there, us, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So are you kind of looking forward to the empty cross and to the empty tomb and to Easter morning and not so fast? Spend some time in Good Friday. Assess, confess, repent, acknowledge to God that you're a sinner and that your sins needed to be taken care of on Good Friday. They're nailed to the cross with Jesus. You weren't there that day, but your sins were. And by his immeasurable sacrifice, those sins were left on the cross, paid in full. So as we continue this process of this worship service and you walk out of here, I hope you'll first acknowledge that you're a sinner. If you've been sitting there going, yeah, so-and-so over down the road needs to hear this message. Yeah, they're sinners. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I don't... Take a second thought if that's the case. Acknowledge that you have sinned and fall short with your words and your actions and your thoughts. Secondly, are you ready to say that you're going to focus on Jesus' immeasurable sacrifice? 
to be reminded that he lovingly paid so that you would be forgiven and restored and have eternal life. And then you're ready to repent. Ask the Holy Spirit to redirect you. Receive his forgiveness that he purchased for you on the cross. Oh, Lord, it's, it's hard to comprehend. Your love for us, the chief of sinners. But you couldn't stand the reality of spending eternity without each one of us with you, so you paid the incredible price, the immeasurable sacrifice. You died in our place. Now help us to focus on our sin, focus on your unconditional love, your forgiveness. Transform us, Lord, so that we can love you and serve you. May God grant this to all of you.